I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, Bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+, plus, 18+, plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem for 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Roll, baby. Welcome in. It is a jam-packed Friday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Stremski right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. And what a day it's been. I mean, I feel like I have been to the moon and back from the Barrett Media Conference to SNY. I got a flight to Syracuse at like 930 in the morning. And here we are, New York, New York. It's early March. And... There's no baseball on Sunday. I was dumb enough to get suckered in on Monday. And maybe it's because I had to stay an hour and a half here at SNY and thinking that we were going to have a baseball season by the end of this week. I couldn't have been more wrong. And I should have stuck with my gut. I should have stuck with my negativity. And I think it would have had me in a much better place on Tuesday when the bad news shook out. And right now, baseball, let's get something out of the way. Because there's a major misconception that's out there that I want to address that we got to take into account. This is not a fight where both sides are equally at fault. That is not true. That is not accurate. Do not give me the nonsense that I've heard from some of you. Oh, it's millionaires versus billionaires. Both sides are wrong. No, they're not. No, they're not. Look. I understand it's going to be very difficult for me or for you or for anybody out there to understand, you know, somebody who's making a minimum salary at worst of what, $675,000? Big money. Big money. All well and true. Millionaire athlete. Scherzer's in there. Cole's in there. Guys who are going to make more money than a whole lot of people for the rest of their lives, families, inheritances, and then some. Okay. Their point is simple. You got owners who have no interest in spending money. You have a new television deal that's going to get a ton more revenue into the sport. And yet, 
we're not going to see luxury tax specials rise? Why? Because the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Tampa Bay Rays don't want that? That's a problem. You want to grow the game, meaning you want to get everybody paid, getting guys paid sooner, getting those thresholds higher, forcing teams to go and spend more money. Listen, the owners pants the players the last time we had a CBA. Smoked them. The players realize this. And the owners are basically holding on for their life. It's an ugly situation. Listen, I hate talking about this crap. It's boring. It's repetitive. But it's worth mentioning now because, listen, it's March. And we're wondering, why are there no games? Well, this is why we don't have baseball. This is why when I'm out in Vegas at the end of March, I'm out there for the great Alplavs, Bachelor festivities, win. Golf, Final Four, I won't have Yankee opening day and Met opening day to look forward to. And that sucks. And honestly, I don't know when we're going to have opening day. But know this, you'll find something to do. The tournament is here. The Masters will be here. The NBA playoffs will be here. It's warm out. You'll find things. You will find things to do. Trust me. That's the problem for baseball. guy like me is going to be back. Most of you folks are probably going to be back. But the casual fan, casual fan, which baseball has been losing for a while now, this is going to help? Give me a break. Bad, bad day for the sport the other day. And honestly, no end in sight. Don't ask me when baseball season's starting. Wake me up. Let's put it this way. Wake me up when we have a season. Please. Let me know. We'll be ready for free agency. We'll be ready for Yankees and Mets. Trust me. Trust me. But let me know when that's going to be. Okay. Speaking of a return, Kevin Durant came back on Thursday, and I was fired up. Listen, the Nets have been unwatchable without KD. I don't care what anybody tells you. They don't have the best player in the NBA. They're in a position where they're basically a playing team in the Eastern Conference, and the season has not gone according to plan. I mean, think about where we were at the beginning of the year and think about where we're at now. James Harden has been traded. Kyrie Irving doesn't play in home games, and Durant has missed a ton of time with injuries. So he comes back. And he looked like Kevin Durant against the Miami Heat. That's the good news. The bad news is the Brooklyn Nets, there's something missing when you think about championship caliber teams. Where's Ben Simmons? I, I, I keep waiting for an update on Ben Simmons. We know he's not rushing to come back and play in Philadelphia. You think Ben Simmons is going to play his first game with cat calls and boos and all the the hooting and hollering they're going to have down at the old Wachovia Center? I don't think so. It's now what? What's today's date? I always love to know. March 3rd. It's going to be March 4th for most of you when you listen to this. Give me a playoff start in a month. It's not as simple as, hey, let's get Ben out there. He'll get acclimated. He'll be ready to go to win a title come playoff time. When, when does that work in the NBA? It doesn't. We have an answer on Kyrie playing home games? We don't. And now Joe Harris is out for the year, which is not a surprise. The Nets knew that. They brought in Curry. They knew they needed shooting. I just don't see it from a championship perspective. Now, you want to tell me they can make this interesting. I can buy that. That they get in the playoffs. You have Durant. He can carry you for a couple of rounds. Sure. The East is too damn good from Milwaukee reigning champs. Miami will beat you tonight without Jimmy Butler. 
Philly, who's got a one-two punch. That's pretty damn lethal. Boston, who's playing really well. Chicago, who's been a feel-good story. Now, listen, the top three dogs, the way I see it, Milwaukee, Miami, and then Brooklyn or Philly is probably third. The amount of disrespect that Miami has gotten, in my opinion, is insulting. I think it's insulting. And I'm going to be proven right on that, I think, in a couple of months. But we got to find that cohesion and that chemistry. We're running out of time. We're running out of time. That's the problem the Brooklyn Nets are running into. And thankfully, on Thursday, we didn't have a Knicks game to watch. And what else is new? The Knicks get smoked. Uh, they were in the game for two and a half quarters, and the better team prevails. Listen, they don't have a point guard. Barrett's playing his ass off. That's great. I'm now at the point where it's all about Tankathon. It's all about Tankathon. Now, we could get on Tibbs' rotations. We could talk about losing a game that you're winning, you know, basically for a good chunk in a quarter and a half against Philly. whoop de do. I don't care at this point. I'm out on this season. Listen, if you're still on in this season, God bless you. Because you're, you're like beyond repair and beyond delusion. I know we've had seasons that are actually worse than this from a Knicks perspective, but like the season is done. Get me in a lottery and give me hope going into the lottery. It's amazing. Last year, I couldn't have felt better about the Knicks. Like we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of this podcast, which is hard to believe, by the way. It is hard to believe we are coming up on the one-year anniversary of New York, New York. Think about where we were last year at this time. Dreaming about the Knicks and home games and all those good feelings. They are completely out the window right about now. We got a fun show lined up. Uh, got a ton of voicemails. We'll have some trivia. We're doing trivia now on Thursdays until baseball picks back up. Uh, I'm fired up to welcome in one of my good friends in the business. And I'm so happy for him because what happened to him at the end of November really did not sit well with me. And I don't think it sat well with a whole lot of people because this is a guy who busted his ass. He worked at a place for a long, long time. And all of a sudden, he's looking for work right around Christmas. Well, I said to this gentleman, because he's a good buddy of mine, everything works out. Everything will happen will happen for a reason. And now, he is the lead sports anchor over at Pix11. He's my main man. I interned for him. I'm a buddy. I hope I get an invite to maybe the uh, Pix11 golf outing. Maybe I made the cut. I don't know. But the great Mark Malusis, the Moose, is making his New York, New York debut. He's coming up next. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies' splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. So, for our next guest, I'm stoked that we're welcoming him to the program because he's one of my favorite people. We've done like 10 zillion television segments together. I go way back because I interned for him when I was doing like Saturday nights. I'm fresh out of Syracuse. Moose, me, Satesha, like way back oh. in the day. Now he is a rock star. He is the new sports anchor at WPIX. I'm so pumped for you, dude. Mark Malusis, what's happening, brother? Oh, JJ, it's, it's first off, what an introduction. I, I mean, it has been years that you guys, you and I have been friends. It really has. Those Saturday nights when I'm doing Saturday overnights at WFAN, Satesh was producing. You'd pop on. We'd be talking sports to like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. You'd be hanging out all night. We bonded there. Um, I'm so proud of all your success. And uh, and thanks for having me on, man. It's been uh, it's going to be a blast. Listen, it's been a whirlwind of a couple of months for you. I don't think there's any question about it. 
But when did it become like a real thing for you where TV sports anchor was like the next step in your career? Because listen, you've been a radio guy, you've been on TV for over a decade, but we did a few segments when you filled in at SNY, and I'm not bullshitting here. Moose anchored the segments. I was like, dude, you're pretty damn good at this because you are an anchor <laughs> and a ton. It's not like you had a ton of experience with it. Is that where you saw your career going? No, or it was no. just something that right place, right time, and boom, yeah. away you go. Yeah, it was kind of, and listen, John, we talked about it after um, everything went down at WFAN off the air and, and, and everything, and I appreciate your friendship um, and your advice at the time. It was a case of, Really, honestly, I, I got a call out of the blue. Um, you know, at that time, you know, I was probably like six or seven weeks out after I got let go in early December or the show was not coming back. I still work at WFAN, but um, the show was not coming back. And and I get a call from Todd Ehrlich, who's uh, the sports director, um, executive sports director over at, at PIX. And I had done some digital work for, for Todd a long time ago when he was at CBS. Uh, I did like a NCAA tournament show that just went on their digital platform. Lisa Kearney, who uh, went over to ESPN, now does a ton of stuff over at FanDuel. Like, and and he, I'd done some other kind of helped him out with some charity causes and stuff like that. Called me and said, you know, we have an opening at PIX. Um, I'd like to, you know, throw your hat in the ring. Um, and I'm not making any promises that you could get the, you know, that you'll get the job, but you know, I, I'd like to submit and, and make a pitch for you to get the job. And, uh, can you get me a tape and can you get me a resume, uh, ASAP? And so that's kind of where the ball started getting rolling. And, and honestly, I, at the time, John, I, I thought it was more of a, a honestly long shot than anything else, because I had. I had more experience doing radio, as you know, a lot more experience doing the debate style shows on, on SMY. And I had done a lot of different things on SMY, but that was kind of like really what we've done. I mean, you continue to do it uh, and do a great job with it. Um, but, you know, I, I anchored a couple of shows here or there. Um, Brad Como, uh, you know, gave me some more opportunities, had no correlation to PIX because he did not know that any of this was going on. Um, and really, when I started doing those fill-in shows at SNY, fill-in anchor shifts, this really hadn't taken hold or, or been an opportunity. So Todd called me out of the blue. You know, you asked me, everyone, like, you asked me the question, was I expecting to go on this path? I, I really wasn't. You know, the biggest thing is, I, in all honesty, like I, I, told, I told a lot of people is, I, I didn't want any of my kids' lives to be affected. I got three boys, Jackson, Paul, and Gregory. We know this can be a really, really tough business um, and and at times in a very rewarding business that you and I have decided to go down. A lot of people go down and there's different ways that you can make a really good living in this industry. Uh, but um, I just didn't want my kids' lives to be affected. That was the biggest thing. So I was I was hoping to, to land on my feet and this presented itself and uh, Todd called me and then I had an interview with news director, Nicole, had a meet with the the station general manager, Chris, Chris McDonald. Um, and then uh, over the course of about three weeks, I got offered the job. You know, Moose, I told you this when the news went down at WFAN, everything happens for a reason. And I remember having that conversation with you. I'm like, listen, you're too good. You're going to end up on your feet somewhere. I didn't know where it was going to be. Yeah. And listen, we got a call. I remember a few weeks into the news, somebody mentioned the fact that you got a raw deal, which listen, you did. I'll be the one to say, it. you don't have to say it. I will. And I think a lot of people will feel the exact same way, 
But for you to now go into sports television, nightly news, like Moose, <laughs> in many ways, like you're going to be like, you know, for people who watch the 10 o'clock news or for people who watch the five o'clock news, you become a part of that like nightly routine, dude. That's pretty wild. Yeah. And plus, I don't look like a sports anchor. That's the other thing. So it's like, and, and honestly, I can I can poke fun of myself. It's it's it, it just kind of and you're right, John. I, you know, I didn't I was hopeful. Like and everyone says like that at the time, like, oh, you're you know, don't worry. Something will come out of the blue. And I remember I was driving back from I don't know if it was uh, it wasn't Rutgers. I, I had a, I met a buddy over in Jersey. And you and I had a conversation on like a Saturday afternoon. I was driving in SNY to do an anchor shift. And you're like, you're like, Moose, trust me. Something, you never know what's going to be around the corner. Something yeah, and I never would have guessed sports television, by no, the way. No, I, I know. But I was that, thinking new age. I was like, all yeah. right, there's gambling spaces, there's podcast spaces. I was like, the, the business is, you know, what? that's what it is, Moose. I think for a lot of people, they look at the way the business was 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's, it's like, really all different. right. These are the pathways. These are the opportunities. There's so many more opportunities now. Oh, there's, I mean, John, I, yeah. I mean, it, look what you're doing right here, you know, for, for Simon at Spotify, New York, New York, your podcast, very successful branch out. You do a lot of gambling, you do SNY, and, and you, you do a, a number of different things. And it's completely different. I mean, when I left Syracuse, it was 1999. You know, you look at how everything has evolved over the course of the last 23 years. It's utterly ridiculous, whether it be, you know, the impact of social media, whether it be podcasts, whether it be the digital world, the gambling space, terrestrial radio, satellite radio, TV, regional sports networks, all of this stuff. And everybody just screaming for more and more content. Um, there's just so many different opportunities out there to be able to create a name. And not in the traditional way, because when I broke into the industry, it was one of two things, right? It was radio, terrestrial, what I mean by that, AM, FM, you know, satellite radio wasn't there. And, and really, it was television. Um, and more so a case of, you know, locally here in New York, it was, you know, MSG, you know, yes, with it. I mean, you know, yes, eventually came into the fold when the Yankees launched that network. SNY was not in the fold. But, you know, at that time, it was Sports Channel, it was MSG. I mean, those were the two things. So, no, I don't want to date myself. But. No, I mean, to answer your question in a really long-winded form, I wasn't expecting to land in the, with this opportunity. But, you know, to be to be able to to get this job and to land on the feet the way I did, um, I'm really blessed um, with the opportunity to land at PIX11. They're open to doing a lot of different things. I'm going to be able to interject my personality a lot. I'm going to try and be a little bit different in order to cut through. Um, and they're open to, to a lot of those ideas. So... Um, to have the, the support of the entire, you know, everybody there, whether it be Todd, Nicole, Gerard Musi, who you know well, John, uh, who was um, unfortunately laid off at SNY during the pandemic. He is now one of the, the lead producers over there at, at Channel 11 as well. It's really a blessing. Doesn't it go to show you that versatility matters in this business? I tell it to oh. young broadcasters all the time. So if you're a young broadcaster listening to this, take notes because Moose fears radio television, Rutgers, this. In many ways, Moose, same sort of deal. You know, different because, you know, I'm doing more of the gambling stuff as kind of my secondary type deal, if you will. It just happened to work out that way. But like I tell these young kids all the time, you want to get in this business, man. Try to do as much as you possibly can. Don't try to be a one-trick pony. Well, yeah, I, I think the thing is here, be a good person, be good with people. Work your be ass off. Work your rear end off. Be easy to work with as well. 
is that we we know we both know a lot of talented people that were pain in the rear ends to work with in this industry that unfortunately their careers didn't blossom into what they potentially could have been. But yeah, now it's it's a matter of you have to be multidimensional. You have to be able to do a lot of different things. And you don't have to know everything about everything, but you have to be open to the idea of you know podcasting, stuff on digital. Obviously, the gambling space has exploded. Um, and if you're not really kind of adjusting and adapting to the times, you're really going to die off, not literally die off, but your career will. So, yeah, it's it's really, uh, I'm, you know, I worked a lot of different jobs over the course of my career. I did traffic. I, I did, I've done pre and post game. I've done play by play. I've worked in TV, worked in radio. I've done stuff for, for the New York Racing Association with thoroughbred racing of course your ponies don't forget about those ponies baby i mean john you do a lot of different. i was gonna say what is the with the kentucky derby you'll be on in a few weeks helping me handicap it because i don't know a damn thing i'm gonna need it most knows he's getting that text like every friday before the derby it's like yo who am i taking but here's what i love about john john doesn't bust my balls after i hand out a loser because i know because you know what when i do the same thing you know the deal exactly it's like if you were to ask me who do you like Sunday? I'm going to tell you who I like. Just don't don't hold me accountable, bro. Don't be yeah, waiting. right. I'm telling you who I like. It doesn't mean like it's set in stone. I'm not there screaming that I'm hitting at 85%. But I do know a lot of buddies of mine that if I text them a pick with ponies and the horse finishes up the track, they're like, oh, thanks a lot for the pick. Well, yeah, I lost money on that horse too. I understand. And Ben Thoroughbred Racing is tough. But, but John, I think you hit upon it. I think in today's day and age as a young broadcaster, you really, you got to do um, a lot of different things. You really do. And you have to be open to the idea of your brand and brand management um, and and making sure that, you know, you continue to kind of progress forward. Okay. Over under. Let's do a little sports since I have you, of yeah. course. May 15th, opening day for Major League Baseball. Over May 15th, under May 15th. I'm going to take under May 15th. I hope you're right about that. I do not think we will see baseball until the middle of April at the earliest, though, at this rate. I don't think we're going to see baseball in April. Yeah, and they're going to get – Moose, here's the problem they're going to run into. They're going to get roasted for this. Now, for guys like me and you, we'll be there. We're going to come crawling back. Oh, I know I'm yeah. going to come crawling back. But, like, in April, I got the tournament. We got the Masters. Then you got all the NBA and the NHL playoffs. That's a problem for baseball. They're going to take well, a I major, mean, major hit if they miss a, a, month, of, a month of games here. They're going to make a major well, hit. There's there's no doubt about it, but here here's the problem you have is that and it's you know the play the owners trying to make the players look bad by trying to have this this sell of them being closer to a deal than they ever were on Monday night because when you look at it, it you look at the last and final offer the players and the owners are never close to reaching a, a new CBA with that new deadline five o'clock Tuesday afternoon. But John, you're you're dead on correct. I mean. You have a commissioner number one in Manfred who doesn't care about Major League Baseball. He's working right? more doesn't, on his golf swing than he is the oh negotiation. Oh my God, he cares more about the bottom the line. Listen, were embarrassed. He's a hard line. He's a hard line negotiator. So you, you get it. He's trying to win from the owner side of thing. Baseball is killing itself. Think about this, John. You and I are doing this podcast. Like I'm hopping on your podcast here tonight on a Thursday, right? And the biggest story right now is not Major League Baseball in the lockout. It's the hand size of Kenny Pickett at the Indianapolis scouting combine. I mean, think about that and where that stacks up and where major league baseball is now. I mean, think about the idea of they pulled or went through a lot of the guys out there in Indianapolis, some of the top 30 prospects. They asked them of their favorite athlete. There wasn't one baseball Not player. One. 
Not, not one, Moose. Not, not one. one. And think about that. So, like, when you were coming up and you produced Mike and Chris a long, long time ago, was it at that point in time the shift had already happened where, like, baseball was, like, leaps and bounds passed by the NFL? Or did you notice that when you started at Syracuse? I'm, I'm like, curious because, listen, I feel like for the last, like, 15 to 20 years, it's not even been up for discussion with the NFL and baseball. Oh, it's not even close. And the NBA's passed Major League Baseball as well in terms of popularity because everyone's into all the drama that comes along with the NBA. You know, it's a great question, John. I, I Now, when the strike in 94-95 uh, happened, I was 18 when that happened. That stunk because the Yankees and the Expos, when that strike happened, were the two best teams and the two best records in Major League Baseball. Um, listen, I love in the late 90s, it was all Yankees all the time. I think nationally, the strike hurt 94-95. They were brought back on the backs of steroid users. The steroid users obliterated the record books. The record books is what made Major League Baseball different than every other sport out there. And then you've been trying to play catch up ever since. So I think we're looking at right now uh, with Major League Baseball, I think it probably happened after everyone got sick and tired of hearing about steroids, Bonds, McGuire, Sosa. You really saw the National Football League gather more and more momentum and just obliterate Major League Baseball. And it's crazy how the NFL, to your point, has turned into this like 24-7, 365 type of sport. Because like now, the scouting combine's an event. The schedule release is an event. This is an event. That is an event. They know what they're doing, dude. They know what they're doing. They are as big of an idiot as Roger Goodell is as a commissioner and handling PR and handling player, all of that, right? The investigations, Daniel Snyder. I mean, you can, right, right. We can go down the list of how Roger Goodell has been a PR nightmare. You know what he's great at? Making money. I mean, Roger Goodell is great at making money, coming up with different avenues for the National Football League to make money, continuing to raise the popularity of the National Football League. Like, John, you know this better than anybody. Nothing's getting in the way of the NFL. Even bad officiating, bad, it, it doesn't matter. Look at the amount of money announcers are making. I mean, are you really going to be watching a game because Troy Aikman's doing it on Monday night? Don't or, matter to me. No, now, listen, I love Troy Aikman. Right? I think he's fantastic. It's not changing my viewing perception. And my no, viewing you're rights. right. No you know what changes your viewing perspective? If you've got some money on the game or if you've got an emotional attachment to one of the teams that are playing. So, I mean, yes, the National Football League right now is is the King Kong when you look at when when you look at other sports. So Major League Baseball, I agree with you. I think it's going to be a while here, but I don't blame the players because you look at this free agency system and the way that teams go into years looking not to compete and are okay with it because they're looking at the bottom line. That would tick me off if I were a player as well. Spot on. Players, thousand percent in the right the way I see it. Okay, I did this about two weeks ago. You're a good historian of New York sports. 2010 and beyond. I, I picked this year, Moose, because listen. 2010. Before, well, I'll tell you why. It's the year I graduated college. It's oh, the year go. I kind of came into adulthood, I guess you could say. Uh, it should have been a little sooner than that, but we know we have some <laughs> issues. We have some problems. So I said the year I graduated college and technically started like my professional life. And like, we get it. Like 88 for the Mets was brutal. 04 for the Yankees, impossible to top. 01, like those are obvious. So from 2010 on, I came up with a top 10 list of the worst New York sports losses. Do you think you can guess what number one was on that list? Number one worst sports loss would uh, 2010 and beyond. Um, I will give you a hint. It was close to that 2010 marker from a year perspective. 
Oh, from a year perspective. Correct. So, so it wouldn't be the Mets loss to the Royals in the 15 in the World it Series? It would not. No. Individual game. I'll give you another hint. Regular season game. Regular season game. Football? Yes. Infamous regular season game. Infamous game. Regular season. I'm drawing a blank here. You build me up as it's great. I, I, nah, it's all right. Uh, I will tell you this. It is a jet loss. Is it Jets-Dolphins? No. It is oh. the Jets ruining Christmas. Oh. Victor oh, the, Cruz. Yes. So the reason I bring this up, would you say over the last 12 years, that is the worst individual loss for any of the New York franchises in an individual game? And I don't mean just the game in and of itself, the symbolism, what it meant after the fact, the whole deal. Yeah, no, I, that's a good one. That's a good one. What was your, what was, can I just so ask I you? So I will give you, the, to be fair, I will give yeah. you a top five list. Just to um, give you a little yeah, basis and a little what's, perspective. What's your top five? Now, your top five. I tried to be fair about this because for me, the Altuve game against the Astros took the cake. I didn't sleep yeah. after that game. I was, I was no, sick was to a- my stomach after that game. But I put the Matt Harvey game in the World Series number two. Okay. I put that number two. I put the Ranger game seven loss to the Lightning. Oh. No, I went with the Lightning. See, because the Kings games were more, I guess, excruciating. But the Lightning game, if you think about it. The Lightning game was worse. Game seven at home, that was it. Like, after that game, you knew they were not getting back there. Lundquist basically carried that team on its back in in that Kings series. All right, so Lightning Rangers uh, number three. Yes. And then the Sean Jackson against the Giants. I was there that day with my dad. Oh, you went to that game? I was at that game. My dad was like, let's get out of here early. <laughs> Listen, it was a you would think, what was it? It was like a 20-point lead for the Giants. Right. And then all of a sudden Deshaun Jackson's run down the field for the time. I couldn't believe it. And then Coughlin going after Matt Dodge after the game, screaming at him. Matt Dodge's career never. That was the last he saw Matt Dodge punted footballs in the National Football League. So that was number four on your list. What's five? Uh, I went with, hmm, let's see here. I went Victor Cruz, game five for the Mets, Altuve, 2019, game six, Deshaun Jackson, and I went with the Ranger loss to the Lightning. I tried to represent every New York team in here, too. So I threw the Islanders in there last year to uh, Tampa. I put that down. Where did you have the 17 lost throws, Yankees? It did not make the cut. And I'm going to tell you why it didn't make the cut. That did not make the cut? Well, bro, you got to put two of the World Series games for the Mets, right? That's true. Like, you know what I mean? Like, seven. here's why, Moose, I think more than anything. That Yankee season was so feel-good. Like, I, 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 at the time, that game six and game seven didn't crush me because, like, I was happy they were there. The team kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't think they were necessarily better than the Astros. Like the 19 year, I was like, all right, it's time to win. And for yeah. them to lose the way that they did, like it just, it crushed me a lot more. All right, in hindsight, ask- 17 is a disaster. Now we'll 17, back well, it. because we, and you're not wrong in hindsight, because we all thought 17 as a Yankee fan, that was the start of something, right? And they haven't won anything. Uh, you, you thought that, you know, Greg Bird, I love Greg Bird. As a so did I, taking Miller into the upper deck. Oh in that my Indian God, game? it was on, unbelievable. Man. That looked like he was going to be the next Mattingly. Um, but yeah, I, I, where did you put, I was, I was thinking about it. Where did you put Durant toe on the line? That made the list. That was number 10. 
That was, that number, was 10. This list, to be honest, is the Bucks go on to like win the NBA title? Because the Nets would have won the title. If the Nets would have won the title. Hitting that shot and it's a three and not a two, they're probably NBA champs. And listen, they could erase that game from the list if they go and win a title this year or the following year. But with that team and all those personalities, who the hell knows, dude? Who the hell no, knows? Well, yeah, but I agree with that. I, I think they probably, I mean, maybe they lose to the Suns in the NBA Finals, maybe. But I think, I mean, Chris Paul never wins a big series, though. But I think they probably do win the NBA championship. That because of the impact and what could have been, especially if they never win a championship in Brooklyn, it'll be interesting to see, you know, Durant making his return. But when Simmons eventually gets over this back injury, what Simmons, Kyrie, and Durant look like when they're on the court together. I'm glad that you bring up this idea of thinking about a champion for New York because I think a lot of people would make the argument with Kevin Durant being in Brooklyn, the Nets out of any of the New York teams, if you want to refer to them as a New York team, have the best chance to do so. So when Mark Malusis is doing a stand-up for WPIX and it is at a championship oh my God. game, I know, imagine that. You doing a stand-up for actually a winning New York team. What New York team will it be? Um, it's between the Nets and the Rangers. I think it's, I think it's going to probably be the Brooklyn Nets. Interesting. I would say it's between the Nets and I can't believe I'm saying this. The Mets. You think the Mets? I do. Well, Scherzer DeGrom, Cohen's money, maybe another move made. But here's the problem you have. Here's the problem you have with Cohen's money. What is that? What does that CBT look like? Well, that's a fair point. If it ends up being very owner friendly and we're talking about small market owners, that could hurt him a little bit. Well, that's going to hurt him, right? But if it if goes they had up hard, and he could spend even oh, more and he well, doesn't give a rat's well, ass about the taxes, right. then it's and a that's what story. the players want, right? So, yeah, I, I, I'd agree with you. I think, I think, I think the Rangers are really close. I don't know if you're giving enough respect to the Rangers. Um, you think I, they're ready? Just, you think they're ready to go and go on a legitimate cup run right here, right I, now? You do. I think it depends on what Drury does at the NHL, what he adds to this team, uh, but. They've got the best goalie in, in in the National Hockey League in Shesterkin. Fox is coming off the Norris Trophy last year. They've got big-time talent up front. They need to add another top six forward. And they've got really young players when you look at Keandre Miller. I think, I mean, now, listen, you want they didn't make the playoffs last year. So we've watched enough sports, John, over the year where you say, all right, can a team go from not making the playoffs, especially in the National Hockey League, I know nobody cares about the regular season Stanley Cup playoffs are an absolute beast. Can they go from that to all of a sudden win the Stanley Cup? Difficult to do. I mean, the Blues went from one of the worst teams to all of a sudden win the Stanley Cup within the same year. Um, I think the Rangers are capable. I, I do. I It might be a little bit too big of a leap. I think they're going to go on a deep playoff run, though, uh, in the spring. I think they're they're really, really talented, really good, and some of the younger players are starting around in the form. Scale but fair one- point about the Mets. Yeah, listen, I'm in on the Mets this year. And How about you and I, neither of us saying the Yankees? Well, it's that's where I wanted to get to. I'm worried about the Yankees. And I was last year. I felt like I went into the year down in the dumps on the team. I said, if they don't get to a World Series, then when in, when in the world is it going to happen? They slept walk through a majority of the regular season. They basically had 15 good games and then went right down the toilet in September and got punked and got embarrassed by the Red Sox in the biggest game of the year. From one being least concerned, 10 being most concerned, where are you now, Moose, when it comes to the state? Yeah, I'm right there with you because this was a team that was supposed to win. Garrett Cole was supposed to be the missing piece that's going to push him over the top. Hey, now they got an ace, except for the 
fact that the rest of the team has just kind of fallen apart at the seams. Dude, they have no athletes. They have no left-handed hitting. They don't play defense. And they're in a really good division. Like, every team in that division, with the exception of the Orioles, might be better than the Yankees going into the year. No exaggeration. No, and you're not wrong, John. And here's the other thing. The organization deems a successful year completely different now than they did 20 years ago. Oh, when you used to have to give them the missives from Steinbrenner yes. after losing, like, the right. World Series. What was it, Rubenstein and Now the Associates? Yankees are patting each other on the ass for losing to the Red Sox in a wild card game. Could you imagine George Steinbrenner rewarding Aaron Boone with a contract extension after losing to the Red Sox in a wild card game? Come on, but, man. But, John, not just a contract extension. They gave him, like, three years and an option for another. Like, they think they're bringing back Casey Stangle to manage this team. I mean... And and Boone last year with some of the things that he had to say and some of the rhetoric uh, left you absolutely scratching your head. Some of his in-game decisions as well. Listen, the analytics is overtaking the sport. Yeah, everything you said about this team is dead on correct. Let's also throw in the fact of their ace that they're paying a ton of money, Garrett Cole, is no longer the same. He can. I'm not telling you he can't pitch any longer. He can pitch. But the guy from the Astros is dead. Is that guy was well, listen, what we saw at Fenway at the end of the year, Moose, he don't like pitching at Fenway. He's one of these guys. He reminds me a little bit of Messina where like one little thing can like steamroll the entire operation. The the spider attack, they took it away. Messina, it might have been, you know, the weather or the grip on the ball, the umpire. And both guys are really, really good. Listen, Mike Messina ended up being a Hall of Fame pitcher. The point with Cole is I need better against the hated rival, I can't hear, oh, Fenway Park is an issue, the dimensions, this nonsense. Go and shove, man. Go and shove. Oh, I, 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 that's just an excuse. Well, what am I paying you for? I that's mean, starting that star a wild card game. I don't care if he's hurt or not, Moose. Don't pitch. If you're going to well, pitch, you pitch, can't pitch And like then that. I don't want to hear about afterward that your hamstring was still bothering you. Don't pitch then. I mean, you were still throwing the ball 97, 98 miles an hour. It wasn't all of a sudden like you were throwing the ball 91, 92. I agree with you. If you're going to take the ball, that's the thing about athletes is like in our, what we do, what you do, John is, is this, if you take the ball, no excuses afterward, you get the, you hop on the court, you hop on the ice. There's no excuses afterward. I don't care where you are physically. That really is. He decided to take the ball. The Yankees were telling you they had their ace going and you know what? He was an absolute dumpster fire. Yeah. And I agree with you. If I'm a Yankee fan right now, I, and I am a Yankee fan, I look at this team. I'm really concerned. Expectations of the organization. I'm not a huge fan of Boone in the dugout. I think some of their player evaluations are really, really quirky as well. Um, they've got to figure out with Aaron Judge if they're going to sign him to a long-term deal or else that's going to turn into a massive headache because Joe Judge showed himself to be healthy last year. They don't have a shortstop. Look at their – if you're building a team, look at their up the middle. And I like Glaber. Center doesn't play. Glaber Torres is the second baseman. He's not a shortstop. Sanchez went from the favorite son to being a guy where you're happy if he hits 220 and doesn't play a lick of defense. Yeah, up the middle, they're very weak. They're very they're weak. Ex- well, extremely weak. The bullpen has gotten worse, right? Or all this is showing the signs of the age as well. They're no longer going six or seven deep when you look at the bullpen. And then you get to the starting rotation. And since the Yankees paid Luis Severino, all Luis Severino has been is better in theory than he's been better on reality because he's always hurt. Final one. As you now enter the early stages of this new career for you, yeah. and it's exciting, you got all these emotions, you got, you're got doing the media tour, I mean, it's a ton of fun. What in the new gig are you looking forward to the most? Is it 
a sportscast after a big game? Is it being live on the scene at one of these big events? Which, let's be honest, you didn't have an opportunity to do a no. whole lot of because you'd be with me at SNY, you'd be the Lakata at SNY for yeah, over a decade, I wasn't, you know? Right, you were out at the Super Bowl. I was home. I saw, yeah, I didn't know how Well, it's a great question. I think um, I think it'd be, be out at a big sporting event. Like you mentioned, we were talking about earlier what team I went with the Nets when the NBA, being at like a, a championship parade, being at a big game, being at a practice before like a big game seven, like doing all those things. Like it's something, John, that I never thought this opportunity would present itself. I'm going to take the ball and run with it. And um, I'm, re- you know, me and, you know, you're yourself as well. You have to really work hard in this industry. Like I'm not afraid of hard work and, and sacrificing time. But I think being at, you know, being at a big Yankee Red Sox game in the Bronx, being at, you know, a big game out at City Field with Scherzer on the mound, like all those things, being able to afford the opportunity to go do that. um, I'm really looking forward to it. I really am. And I'm excited for the opportunity. Listen, don't be a stranger. I'll see you on the golf course in a couple of weeks. I know your schedule's a little hectic right now. Three boys, new job, the whole deal. But the uh, the JJ invitation awaits uh, in the middle. Oh, of Oh, I'm July. in. Last year, I was uh, last year. You were doing a midday show. We don't have to worry about that. I understand. Now. I'm in. Later, I'll see you <laughs> off early. I got you, bro. I'm in, John. Count me in, bud. And, Listen, and I'm any, so, bro. Anytime you need a horses pick, I'm there for you. I need I need the bombs on the course. I need a couple of winners at the Derby and the Preakness. But in all seriousness, continued success. I'm so happy for you, bro. Go kill it. All right. John, I, I love you. I appreciate all the support. It, it means a lot, man. You're a good man, good friend. Um, and uh, and all everything everything over the last couple months, it meant a lot. It's Mark Malusis, the new sports anchor over at WPIX, the man of many talents, the moose. All right, we got some voicemails, a little trivia as well. Coming right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Voicemail time, and just a little FYI. On Sunday night, we're going to do a little AMA. I haven't done one of those in a while. Be on the lookout. I'm going to send a tweet out probably on Sunday when I'm at the airport. A little hungover from my trip from Syracuse. Ask me anything on Sunday night. Our voicemail number is 917-382-1151. That's where we make some magic. All right, Stefan, let's hear it, baby. What do we got? JJ, this is Dan in uh, Jersey. First time, long time. Uh, <clears throat> Two diehard Knicks, Knicks fan. I have, I have two comments. Uh, it's a little late, but <clears throat> your interview you did with Justin Tremaine last week, it, he did something, and I can tell you, Connell, you kind of were thinking the same thing. <clears throat> it's something I've noticed a lot of people who, who don't watch the Knicks regularly. Didn't you get the sense that he kind of underestimated R.J. Barrett and his development? And, and it's weird because I see a lot of fans that don't watch the Knicks regularly kind of have that same view like they just think he's like just a like he's got a real low ceiling uh and then he you know he's not gonna be much better than what he is now which to me is just crazy he's 21 and he's gotten better every single day um you know i i view him as you know potentially you know maybe eventually chris middleton if he does everything right uh you know 
can continue to improve as a defender and, and improve his three point shooting, you know, get a bucket. You know, I, I maybe that's just me, maybe just watching the Knicks lose constantly and just fried my basketball brain. Uh and then one other comment on your uh top ten New York losses in two thousand and ten. I uh, this would just be an honorable mention, but I think when uh two thousand and twelve when LeBron and D Wade ended Lynn's sanity um in Miami uh, just a brutal game ended, ended Lynn Sanity harshly, held Lynn to like eight points. Uh, that's about as devastating of a Knicks regular season loss that I can remember. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I, I don't view it the same way. That was more disheartening than anything else. But like, at least I felt this way at the time. I knew the clock was going to strike midnight on Lynn Sanity. Like it, it was a matter of when, not if. I always viewed it from that approach. It was, amazing it was off the rails for like two or three weeks but yeah you saw the humblings against boston and against miami and then when got hurt and that was that and it was the ultimate flash in the pan it was the ultimate one hit wonder um i'm with you on barrett now i don't know if i'm willing to say that he has the same ceiling as chris middleton he has all-star written all over him if he continues to ascend this has been a great rise for RJ this year. He has gotten better and better and better. I wanted him to be the best player on this team by the end of the year. The problem is the way it has transpired and the way it has happened is not what I envisioned because Julius Randle has just gone completely down the tank. And every offseason move they made stunk. And can the Knicks get a point guard for goodness sakes? Holy moly, how many times do I have to watch the opposing point guard of another team kill the Knicks? I mean, it was child's play for Horton and for Maxie yesterday with the Sixers. And, you know, it's funny. We did TV yesterday, and one of the questions uh, Michelle Margot asked our duty and Begley was, well, what do you make of these fourth quarters that continue to be a thing for the Knicks? Listen, they've had plenty of collapses. Don't get me wrong. We detailed them on this podcast. Wednesday was not a collapse. Wednesday was the simple case of a vastly superior team asserting their will on the game, and the Knicks have no answer. Doesn't get more straightforward than that. Sixers have better dudes. Much better dudes. If they're playing and they're playing at a high level, the Knicks cannot compete with that. So, got to be real. Got to be fair about that. Get a real point guard. And no, I'm not going to be jumping for joy hearing the name Jalen Brunson thinking that is the answer to all your problems. Please. JJ, it's uh, Anthony Sayoff. I'm leaving this message on Wednesday, the 2nd of March. I highly doubt any updates will be made by the time you played on your show um, in terms of the baseball and the lockout. But, you know, what I think is amazing, and listen, I'm one of these guys, you're one of these guys, uh, a bunch of your callers. When baseball's back, we'll be back watching, right? As much as we like to bitch and moan right now, we'll be back watching. Um, but I think it's amazing that this players' union goes from being represented from Donald Fear in 25 years to having a guy like Tony Clark sitting across the table from a bunch of attorneys and a legal team that was basically hired by, by the billionaire owners. Just to give you an idea of how the last negotiations went and how these went. So I don't know where things are going to end up. I don't know what's going to be agreed upon. I don't know about the luxury tax and minimum stuff. I, I have no idea. But what I know is this, like I said before, I know that the guys like us will be back. But what I also know is this. In 94, 95, when I was 12 and 13, and there was no baseball, and it was, like, life-changing, 
We are in a different world right now in 2022 with iPads, with social media, with video games. These kids don't give a shit, dude. And again, guys like me and you, late 30s, early 40s, God willing, we're around another 30, 40 years, whatnot, and we'll be watching the game. The younger ones, where are they going to be? Where is this game going to be? Where is this league going to be when they are our age? That's a legitimate question that baseball has to answer. And, you know, speaking of the generations and the gap, as a father, it is my duty, right, to try and pass this game down. And I try now, and I do, and I continue to do it, and I will continue to do it. But I can say this to you. If there is no baseball in April and May, I am inviting you and all your listeners and anybody that works on your podcast to come down to Syosset Woodbury Park and watch my five- and six-year-old T-ball team play on Saturday. And you tell me if you don't have more fun watching that team than you would regular April and May meaningless baseball anyway. So it sucks. We'll get there eventually. But the bottom line is I'm inviting you all to watch T-ball in Syosset. I can only imagine Syosset in the dugout channeling his inner Billy Martin melting down on like a 15-year-old umpire who's maybe umping a game for the first time in his life. I think that would be worth the price of admission. So I might take you up on that offer, Syosset. And look, you nailed something that's very important here. And I'm going to own it and I'm going to acknowledge it. And I think most of you should do the exact same thing. Look, we will be back when there is baseball. I am a Yankee baseball aficionado. It's in my blood. It's my first love. I will be there. I'm not lying. Like, I'm going to be annoyed. I'm going to be pissed off, but I'm going to be there. The younger generation, I have no idea. Because you're right. There is Instagram. There is TikTok. There are streaming services. There are plenty of different ways you could pass the time. Like. I think about myself at 33 and how I'd be acting if I were, I don't know, 13, your age, at the strike. I was too young to really understand the gravity of the strike. Like, I remember it. I was bummed out about it, but I was six years old. You know, it's a little different. If I were 13, that would have crushed me. Now, 13-year-olds, they got a ton of shit to do. And, like, I even think about my standpoint as, like, 33. Hey, I got the tournament. I got NBA playoffs. Then I'll have NHL playoffs. I got the Masters. I got my golf rounds on the weekend. Like, I will find a way to stay amused. Trust me on that. I'll find a way. And if I'm going to find a way to stay amused, there are going to be plenty of others who say, well, I'm not interested in watching. I'm not coming back. Baseball's got a major issue on their hands. They are already facing a serious crisis within their popularity. I mean, just think about it. NFL players, boom, you recognize them like crazy. NBA players, you recognize them like crazy. Baseball players, they don't have that same star power. Certain cities they do. This happens to be one of them. But there are plenty of other cities where their baseball players are just down that pecking order. And that was not always the case. And this is the end result of a lot of failures over the years. But specifically, this commissioner and this group of owners, they don't get it. They're going to go and pocket all this money for playoff rights. You're going to have some owners with $50 million payrolls crying poverty and making the excuse that the pandemic ruined us. Please spare me. Spare me. 
because I know what's coming down the pike with that TV deal and Peacock and everything else that comes with these gaming rights, please. Anybody taking the side of the owners or this commissioner is not paying attention. It's as simple as that. You're not paying attention if you think that's the case. Like, I hear this all the time. Oh, it's millionaires fighting billionaires. Oh, that's, it's terrible. Like, for us, yeah, because we're not in that camp, right? Like, we're not, we're not making $50 million over five years to do our job. But in the case of the revenues and what's fair and what's not, the players are in the right and the owners are in the wrong, period. Do your research, do your homework, and you'll come to that same conclusion. All right. Since I'm in a miserable mood with all this labor negotiation garbage, let's get to something that put me in a better mood. A little trivia. Trivia on a Thursday. Larry's ready to go. Larry, let's hear it, baby. JJ, Larry, Florida. Two questions here for you tonight. In Tom Seaver's career, what team did he win the most games against? The second question, in 1984, Doc Gooden's rookie year, he finished second in the Cy Young. Who won the Cy Young in 84? I'm out. Who? Two doozies from Larry. Two doozies from Larry. Okay. I'm going to start first with the Seaver question because... I'm going to say, as a Met, most of his wins came when he was a member of the New York Mets. I got a good idea on that. The 84 one, not so sure about. All right, we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to regather my thoughts, and nah, I don't feel good about either one of these. Well, I, I have an idea with Seaver. 84, mm, not so much. All right, we're coming right back. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, so you got to think about division alignment and the way the NL kind of looked at the early 19, mid-1970s, give or take. Because remember, like, there was a time where you just had an American League representative and an NL representative, and there were no divisions. I am going to say, Stefan, Tom Seaver has the most wins against the Chicago Cubs. Mm. Ah. Thought I was getting it. First guess. I don't know why. I like irrational confidence. It's kind of like the tilt the world of emotions. You're confident. You're not confident. You're confident. All right. Guess number two. The Philadelphia Phillies. Mm. Wow. Wow. See, I felt good about that, too. I was like, I'm going to get it on the second guess. I didn't get it on the second guess. Okay. Mm, Okay. Tom Seaver most wins against. Take another stab at this bad boy. 
the Pittsburgh Pirates. <laughs> oh, man. I, I'm shooting blanks here. I am shooting blanks. This is not pretty. This is not pretty. All right, I'm taking one more guess. And I'm phoning a friend. I, I can't believe that I am doing so poorly on this question. Because there aren't that many options. You think about the teams in the National League, there are not that many options. All right. The Cincinnati Reds, even though he spent some time with the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> Stefan, where the hell am I going wrong here? Uh, Jay, you're not like far off. No hint. Do not but give me a hint. Do it is. Give me a hint. You don't want a hint. No, I mean, give me a hint, but don't give me the answer, I should say. Give me a hint, don't give me the answer. Okay. I'm going to say NL team for sure. I knew that. Okay. Okay. NL team. They have to have some sort of history. Like, you can rule out a bunch because they didn't exist. Colorado Rockies, rule them out. Um, Arizona Diamondbacks, they did not exist. Milwaukee Brewers, at that time, they were playing in the American League. You can you can rule them out. Um, oh, boy. National League team. Now, if I give you a division, is that too much of a hit? It, it might be. All right, All I'm right. going to take one more guess. I'm going to take two more guesses. Okay. Two more guesses, and if I do not get these right, we're waving the white flag. Okay. The San Francisco Giants. Mm. Not good, man. Not good. I, I'm just going through the gauntlet of NL teams. All right, last one, and I'm waving the white flag. Seriously. The Los Angeles Dodgers. Mm. Who the hell is it? I feel like I rattled off every National League team. You missed the team in that division. The San Diego Padres. Wow. I'm I'm surprised by that because, you you know what? They were probably playing more of a balanced schedule, I guess. I mean, literally, I went through every National League team but the Padres. Literally every single one. So, job well done, Larry. Job well done. All right, now we get to get another question wrong because I don't feel good about this one either. The 1984 Cy Young Award winner. Night, like what a, and this is the year Dwight Gooden was the runner up in the Cy Young Award. 1984, correct, Stefan? 1984? 84 is correct. I feel like Larry would give me this question with some sort of meaning and some sort of purpose, right? Like, uh, 1984 Cy Young Award winner. Oh, man. I'm like trying to think, well, who won the World Series that year? Who had big years? And I'm gonna take a stab at this. I don't feel I don't feel great about this answer, but I'm gonna say it anyway. It's not Steve Carlton, is it? Mm. It is not. There's no way it's Tom Seaver, right? Seaver didn't win one in the 80s. There's no shot. Stefan, I don't think I have any chance at this one, bro. Waving it early? Well, I, I we, do we have any sort of hint that you think would steer me in the right direction? Uh, okay. Um, this guy won the Cy Young in 84. He also spent... He's a three-time All-Star. Okay. Three-time All-Star. Not a Hall he, of Famer. Not a Hall of Famer, but he also won the Rookie of the Year. Won the Rookie of the Year and won the Cy Young in 1984. No, that really does not help much. 
That's a problem for me. It does not help much. Man. Young pitcher. Did he have a lengthy big league career? Yeah, he played for 18 years. 18 years, you said that. You said that. So, 18 years from 84, 94, 2004. That's a long... Is it Mike Morgan? Well, he didn't start in the, the 80s. He started in the 70s. I'll give you that. Ooh, so, we won't okay. take your last answer. I'll okay. give you that. that so, actually, if you're doing changed. the clock, he's, he, he started in 78, 79. Call it 79. And he played 18 years from then. Started in 79. Oh. Man, I was going to guess Fernando Valenzuela, but that's that's not it. Honestly, Stefan, I have no idea. I have no idea. So you might I think well this one, me. I think this one would have been hard. Uh, Rick Sutcliffe. Suddy, okay. I think that would have been that, a hard one for you to get. One. That you would have been a hard hint, one. I'll tell you what the hint would have been that I would have nailed, Stefan. Not the, this is a tough one, but ESPN broadcaster. Because Sutcliffe's been on ESPN for forever. And I like Sutcliffe. I always like when he does the games. He's good. He's got like a good, like old school, like let's have a beer at the bar type of vibe when he's doing a game. So Sutcliffe, Larry, job well done. I had no chance at either one of those questions. So job well done. Job well done. I got one more trivia question. All right, let's go. JJ, I got two trivia for you, by the way, Charlie, from Elmhurst. So first one is there are three baseball movies that have been nominated for Oscars for Best Picture. What are those three movies that have been nominated for Oscars in Best Picture category? The second question is, Scott Russell to Gerald Williams. And Gerald Williams is one of one of three players to have a six-hit game in New York Yankees history. Who are the other two New York Yankees player to achieve a 6 six game? One is very obvious. The other one, I guess, need assistance from Mr. Stefan. So, there you have it. By the way, shout out to you. Uh, I don't know what the hell's going on with baseball. I mean, just what a joke. But hey, I know you're going to keep it going, man. New York, New York pod, keep it going, JJ. Let's go. You got it. Of course we're keeping it going. What else? We got no other choice. We got no other choice, Charlie. Of course we're keeping it going. We're, we're riding high. We'll, you know, hopefully have some winners to talk about in town. Um, six hit games for the Yankees. I know one of these with supreme confidence. Stefan, answer number one is Johnny Damon. I knew it. And I remember the game well. He had a walk-off hit in that game. Saturday, 2008. I want to say against the Kansas City Royals. Now, Stefan, would you say that is the obvious one or the not so obvious one? That is for sure is the obvious one because oh, you knew it off the back of your head. You didn't even you didn't even you didn't even stretch before you started playing this one. You just came out there fresh legs going. The not so obvious six hit Yankee game. Oh man, oh man. Would this player be a part of the last thirty years of Yankee history? Nah, it goes way, way back. Way, way back. back. All right, I'm going to take one guess at this because I, I, if it's going way, way back, I could be here for hours. It's not Tony Lazeri, is it? Mm. Nah, that was a good try. That was a good try. Who is it, Stefan? I'm sa- save me from this one. 
Merrill Hodge. But I could have taken 500 guesses and I would not have gotten that. So, all right, Charlie. I got one. I'm happy I got the Johnny Damon one. All right, now your Oscars question. By the way, earlier today, we did uh, DiCaprio movies on SNY. We're doing Rapid Fire. I beat Jerry Blevins on that. I'm very proud. My sister, who is a big DiCaprio fan, would be very, very proud. All right. Three baseball movies nominated for an Oscar. I'm starting first with Moneyball, Stefan. Moneyball. I knew it was. Okay, one down, two to go. Number two, Field of Dreams. Two down, one to go. Now, the third one is going to be tricky. Third one is going to be tricky. Baseball movie nominated for an Oscar. Is it a league of their own? Ah, all right. That's a good effort. That's a good effort. All right, I'm going to take one more stab at this, and I'm going to get a hint. Is it Bull Durham? Not Bull Durham. Stefan, we need a little help here, buddy. All right, Jay. This movie is a little... It's an old movie. Uh, is it Pride of, Pride of the Yankees? Bingo. There we go. Once you said that, I was golden. I was golden. I uh, The old baseball movie, Gary Cooper playing Lou Gehrig, Pride of the Yankees. So, listen, it was a rocky, rocky trivia appearance for me. But, gotta say, maybe it's I'm in movie mode more than anything else. That kind of got the best out of me. So, job well done by Charlie. All right. Jeff Money in the house. It's going to be a loaded weekend of bets, especially on the college landscape. And we'll have a ringer gambling pod tomorrow. The boss man and Joe House will be with me. Jared Smith will be with me. So we got to cast the characters. And if you love gambling and you love me, Ringer Gambling, download. Because Tuesday and Friday, until baseball starts, Sunday, Thursday here, Tuesday, Friday over there. So, Jeff Money, what do we got, buddy? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It's going to be for tomorrow, Friday the 4th. I got one play in uh College basketball, we're going to go with Toledo, minus the 16.5 over Bowling Green. Again, I'm going to go with Toledo, minus the 16.5. All right, and everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money, let's go indeed. And I don't know where I'm at for any of these games on Friday, to be honest with you. Like, there are some gems with the small conferences, if you really know the small conferences well. We're in conference tournament week. I love conference tournament week. Saturday is going to be wall-to-wall action. And then you have some of the, you know, the bigger guys getting going by, like, Wednesday or Thursday. I mean, the fact that Duke is going to be, like, minus 200 to win the ACC tournament, that's basically all you need to know about the ACC. And I think we're going to have some serious fireworks at Madison Square Garden over the course of the week. And what a win for Rutgers. We're working on Coach Peichel. Might be on Sunday. Might be one point next week. Um, they're an NCAA tournament team. With that win over Indiana, they, there's nothing more to say. Rutgers is in the NCAA tournament. I think dice cast, ship has sailed. They're dancing. So that should be a ton of fun. And I'm actually going up to Syracuse to watch my boy Buddy Beheim play out the string. Not the year I envisioned. Not the year I imagined for the Orange. What a shit year, man. I mean, they're 500. That game against North Carolina on Monday night was cruel, too. That was super cruel. All right, fun show. Stefan, fabulous job. I am back Sunday night. Remember, ask me anything. 
We'll get you ready for all the conference tournaments. And don't expect an update on baseball, by the way. Don't be counting on that. Yeah, yeah. Be good, everybody.